Coming up on the WSJ Media Mix podcast, Vox Media CEO Jim Bankoff about whether media companies are slaves to Facebook, Vox Media's TV ambitions, and whether there's a digital media bubble that's about to pop. Welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast, bringing you interviews and analysis with people that matter in the fast-changing media business. Hello and welcome to the first ever WSJ Media Mix podcast. I'm here as always, with Jack Marshall. By as always, I mean for the first time with Jack Marshall. <laughs> I'm uh, here today. And I'm Stephen Perlberg. We are reporters, media and marketing reporters here at The Journal. And uh, we're really excited uh, for this podcast. We're going to be uh, interviewing lots of people talking about big ideas. And uh, we're really excited for this uh, first episode. Right, Jack? Yes. Yeah, so today we have Mr. Jim Bankoff, uh, Vox Media CEO. So, Jim, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. I am honored to be the inaugural guest. <laughs> I feel a lot of pressure, so I'll do my best. But thank you for having me. It's wonderful. Well, we're honored to have you. So, Jim, you're the CEO of Fox Media, um, which is a primarily digital media company. Um, eight brands, is it right now? That's right. Eight brands. I'm happy to rattle them off. Yeah, well, here we go. Why not? Go for it. <laughs> um, we have The Verge in consumer technology culture. We have Recode. By the way, you know, an, a peer, uh, they can't have me on their media p- podcast. What media Peter, podcast? Yeah, <laughs> Recode Media, Peter Kafka. Not, uh, d- anyway, <laughs> no, we love Recode. Uh, we have Vox in, pol- in general news. We have SB Nation, our first in sports, um, first one that we launched. Uh, we have Eater in food, Curbed in real estate and home, and Racked in fashion and style. Um, and then we have Polygon in gaming. Um, and... Um, I think, did I hit them all? Is that eight? I wasn't counting. Yeah. May have been. I probably left someone out. I'll, co- I'll come You'll back to you. You'll hear from later. I'll come back to you. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, one thing that I was kind of interested to just jump in and ask you is obviously sort of the hot topic in digital media at the moment is the rise of platforms and sort of this distributed publishing model, um, which I know is something that you've been sort of vocal about in the past. You know, it's sort of an area that you guys are pushing into. I think you... Um, announced not a new brand but a new blog that was going to be sort of primarily published on Facebook last week or so. Um, so I'm just kind of curious to get to get your take on that, um, sort of the reliance on these platforms for, for traffic and some of that stuff. I mean, is that nerve-wracking for a publisher? I mean, are, are we basically all working for working for Facebook at this point? No, no, we're not working for Facebook, but we're partners with Facebook. And um, But I get the question. And, you know, first of all, there is a lot of change. I certainly agree with that. And that's part of what makes it exciting for us. You know, as a cultural thing at our company, we talk about not merely being tolerant of change, not merely accepting change, not even merely embracing change, but thriving in change. And, you know, the only way to compete is to actually not only be willing to adapt, but be aggressive about adapting and relish the adaption. And that's a easier said than done, of course. Um, but when it comes to the world of partner platforms, um, we have to be aggressive about figuring it out for obvious reasons. A big portion of our audience, our potential audience, are now consuming content via these platforms. Um, so do you, do you have an idea of what, what the breakdown is now? I mean, for example, your own sort of website and, and your own properties versus, versus platforms? Um, it, it depends by property. Uh, I think Vox Media, because we produce strong brands that consumers seek out, we actually probably skew a little bit more to our owned and operated websites than some of our peers. Uh, you know, we believe, and I'll get to this later, but we believe 
in building strong brands. That's one of the things that sets us apart. You know, I rattled off all our great brands in the beginning, um, and we're probably the only. I think we are the only company in our space that has successfully scaled multiple brands, and our company is oriented to doing that. We think that's important in a world of social distribution. In a world of media fragmentation, it's critical to have strong brands because the consumers need signals uh, for what they're getting in their feeds or elsewhere. They need to understand that this is brought to them by voices that they trust, voices that they know with a point of view, with a perspective. Our company is called Vox for a reason. It signifies that voice and the voice of each of our brands and the creators within those brands. So back to the platform question, our brands tend to resonate very well in that world because they do give out that signal. We optimize our content creation for those worlds. And I look at it pretty simply. Let's take Facebook as an example. Um, if Facebook didn't exist, if Google didn't exist, it would have been impossible for us to build a company that now reaches, on our own platforms, 170 million global unique visitors every month. But when you go off of our platform onto these partner platforms, we reach probably triple that, you know, well over half a billion, which is just a, such a big number that it's almost meaningless, right? But it's, uh, it's the truth. And, and, and only because of these platforms were we able to hit this kind of global scale where our brands and our content able to touch so many people. So we're grateful that the investments have been made in these platforms. Now, Having said that, I think the platforms are the first to realize that it's only going to work insofar as there is a business model that works for premium quality publishers. They want us to make the investment in content. That investment helps their business. It helps them grow. Um, and you can see whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or any of these other platforms, content is what's driving their latest wave of growth you know, even as distinguished by, from the user-generated content, professional content, and, and premium quality brands are. Uh, it's important to have better search results. It's important to have better social sharing. Um, and all of the companies are really understanding that that is a big engagement driver. And so it's in their best interest to find that equilibrium in terms of business opportunity. So, so what, what are your conversations like right now with Facebook, Snapchat, these platforms, as you're trying to sort of suss out what kind of business model will work uh, versus, you know, it's, it's a sort of more clear on what that would look like on your own and operated channels. What are you pushing for? It seems like Facebook's made some changes uh, to instant articles to be more accommodating to publishers. Uh, what are the sorts of things that you're asking for and, and would need? I always look at our our platform relationships for look for a few things you know answer a few questions is it does it have scale um or certainly does it have the potential to have scale you know the ones that you you know, rattled off the ones i rattle off certainly do um and that's the gating factor and if they do have scale then we as a pure play new media company have a lot of tolerance for experimentation to try to figure things out you have to have a lot of tolerance because uh, things are going to change things are going to evolve things are going to run their course very quickly and be uh, new things will emerge and so you have to have that tolerance and that patience but it has to start with scale the second thing is is there a business model or potential for a business model um, and that's another thing that has to evolve and I think it's it, generally the platforms going into um, these conversations 
start off pretty conservatively. Uh, I think there's a notion that they don't want to um, put out a business model that they then have to reverse course on and, and after we've invested in it. So I think, uh, you know, I appreciate that conservatism, but if it's too slow, then that's harmful as well. Do you um, think Facebook has been moving at a, at a good pace for, for you guys or, you know, are you looking to kind of push them along to yeah, I monetize mean, I, further? Uh, we, I, I think, you know, we're, we're a company that is very kind of progressive and very, you know, as I said, tolerant of, um, of the iterations and the evolutions. But of course, like it's our job to be a good partner. And part of being a good partner is helping them realize how we can grow our businesses together. And I, I you know, you'll never see us propose something that we think is zero-sum game. We're going to propose something to them that we think helps them grow their business, not just with us, but with all their partners and with an eye toward how do we make their or anyone else's platform a truly great place for their audience and a place where they and we can make money. And so we are likely going to be more aggressive in, in putting those ideas forward. They have dozens or hundreds or thousands of partners to manage. We have our own uh, interests and the interests of our other platform partners to manage. And so, you know, we pride ourselves in being a really good, aggressive, progressive partner and one that doesn't have um, legacy business or revenue streams to protect or to grow, you know, so that we can really focus on what's in the best interest of the audience on the platform and the advertisers on the platform, as opposed to how you're going to help me make up for my declining business over there. You know, we want to have an expanding business over here. That's our whole business, and you know, certainly the core of our business. Do, do you think? I mean, is is there a risk as a publisher of, um, in a way, sort of getting distracted by the demands of platforms? So, I mean, obviously, you know, video has been huge over the past few years, in part because Facebook has been pushing it. You know, live video is huge now, um, you know, for similar reasons. And I just wonder if you're uh, – it reminds me of an analogy, like a soccer analogy. If you're chasing the ball all over the field, then you're perhaps not in the best sort of yeah. position to, to do what you're trying to do. It's our first of many soccer analogies on the podcast. Yeah, that's number one. <laughs> so, soccer's not bad. We could do some baseball, some football. We can do baseball, we can do hockey, skating to where the puck is, whatever you want to do. Um Let's let's use a financial uh, analogy and say you have to have a balanced portfolio um, and you have to allocate capital uh, in, in, in efficiently. Um, now to to kind of minimize the buzzwords here, I'd say um, you're yes, you, you one does risk. Um, I wouldn't even so much say distraction because our core is trying to figure these things out. So it's not a distraction to attempt to figure them out. But you could risk not having any experiment be successful if you slice all of your experiments too thin. So that certainly is um, a risk. And so one does have to think about which bets to place and how much to bet on each in, on each initiative. Um, and we're certainly doing that. You know, we feel... We feel it's our job to really figure these things out, though. So, again, all about um, in that notion of thriving within change. You know, how do we do that? How do we do that most efficiently? You made a point about video. I I think video is far more than just something that will come and go. Video is is here to stay. Video has always been here to stay in the sense that we've we as media consumers have always consumed more video. We just happen to have done it on our television sets because that's before – we had uh, 4G connectivity and 
4K streaming monitors in our pockets. Um, now we do have that. And, you know, our investment at Vox Media has now shifted to be more video because that's what audiences want. By the way, they also read. <laughs> they always have. They always will. I think the ratios of video consumption to others' forms of consumption globally will, will remain constant. But what is changing is it's now moving that video consumption is moving from your TV set to your phone. And so, of course, we need to invest in more video to fill that need. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, TV after the break. We'll take a quick break uh, after this. More with Jim Benkoff. Hi, this is Kevin Sintemong. This is Beth Cracklauer. Check us out on the Off-Duty Podcast. We talk about food, cocktails, all of the finer things in life. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. And become a subscriber on iTunes. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Okay, we're back with Jim Bankoff. I'm Stephen Perlberg with Jack Marshall. Uh, wanted to ask you about the recent, relatively recent deal that you guys have with uh, NBC Universal, invested uh, in, in Vox Media, in BuzzFeed, and more generally, there seems to be a trend of traditional media organizations um, investing in, in new media ones uh, over the past few years. And so it feels, it feels like to me like this is a, a year where there's a real show us your stuff moment. Um, what do you need to do to, uh, I guess, as a, as a digital company, prove your worth, uh, you know, in, in this crazy media ecosystem? And, and uh, what are your conversations with NBC like in that regard? Well, you know, proving our worth as a company is probably no different than any other company. Um, you know, we... You know, we happen to be a high-growth company, and we operate in a high-growth industry, and we want to continue that growth. We're on a good path to do that. We're looking great this year. Um, we're hitting our plans. We're feeling good about everything, um, but we're also not um, – you can never be overconfident in a, in a time of change, and so it's our job to keep that growth up. Um, our partnership with NBC Universal has been an outstanding one. It's only – you know, maybe six or seven months old at this point, yet um, off to a really strong start. We're, we're collaborating across a number of different areas. Um, the biggest initiative that we announced just a couple of weeks ago is in the advertising realm, where we are partnering with NBC Universal for a new initiative called Concert. Concert is growing a new category of digital advertising premium quality digital advertising. And it's our theory that if you bring together the best brands with the best advertising products, you have premium quality. And in an era where marketers and audiences are rejecting a lot of the crappy advertising on the web, crappy is defined by not viewable, by burning up your mobile minutes because it loads slowly, um, by fraud, by uninspiring creative that seeks to interrupt as opposed to engage. If we can solve for all those things, and our two companies already have been for many years, and if you can solve for those things and get premium scale, and our two companies combined rival the scale of, say, Yahoo, um, and with, with very valuable demographics, um, and then if you bring in other partners eventually to be part of that mix, we think we have a really um, industry-changing proposition to create premium quality advertising is separated from the wild world of what's still digital advertising. That's important if you're looking to build brand. Obviously, digital advertising works wonderfully at the bottom of the marketing funnel where you're trying to sell products. But if you're trying to create image, 
trying to create awareness. I think digital has let down brand marketers in that sense for the reasons that I talked about. It's hard to create anything experiential at scale, and that's preventing the massive budgets from moving over. And now we have a solution in concert to begin to address that problem. So that's one big idea, not just things around the margins. There are other ideas, too. Um, Obviously, we're cross-promoting one another. So you'll see Kara Swisher on CNBC. You'll see Ezra Klein on MSNBC. You'll see um, Neelai Patel on, in The Verge on on things. You'll see Amanda Clute from Eaters. Um, so you, do you foresee like you know the Curbed House Hunting Show on Bravo or the Curbed Network? I mean, is that you, the, you, is that the ambition? Steven, Steven's angling for a job in our, de- <laughs> in our, in our development department. Call me, those call are <laughs> those are big ideas. Now, uh, and and actually, not too far from um, you know some of the stuff that we've been talking to what talking to NBCU about, but also. Um, Talking to to other programming distributors, um, it's a as you well know from your reporting, um, it's a it's a great time to be in the content creation distribution biz, uh, content creation business. There are a lot of different um, platforms that are looking to t- distinguish themselves with premium quality content. NBC Universal is one of them, and yes, like we we have a relationship with them where we talk about programming ideas, and we you know we're embarking on several. So that's another area of collaboration. But and and there there are other ones too um, around. Our technology, Vox Media, is well known for its media operating platform, which we call Chorus. And um, NBC Universal is going to be tapping into the data and publishing workflow insights that Chorus brings. But whether it's on technology, whether it's on programming and content, whether it's on advertising, the whole the whole concept of the relationship is to learn from one another and. Um, I know that has been a big part of why NBC Universal made the investment, and you know we're also learning from them. They've been programmers for a long time. They understand advertising and audiences very well. They understand where this new world is going in terms of programming distribution. So I think it's been a great relationship to start with. So just to come back to the point you made about technology, I mean, I know that's an area that you guys have talked a lot about over the past few years. You mentioned Chorus, your kind of publishing system. Um, I'm just curious, kind of going back to the conversation we were just having about platforms, does technology sort of become more or less important in this sort of distributed world? I can only speak for ourselves, but I think it's, it would be hard to say anything other than it becomes more important. And at Vox Media, we're inspired by the great platform companies. Um, we look at Amazon, which is the massive plat- the de facto platform for e-commerce right you look at netflix the platform for ott video distribution um we view ourselves as a platform of a different sort we're a platform for creating and growing media brands um in digital and again i think we're the only company that has proven that we can take a platform approach and find success and scale doing it not once, but doing it again and again. And if you look at any of our peers in digital, and there are a lot of great ones out there, they're all growing too, but they've only really been able to do it with a single brand approach. Um, And I credit our platform to enabling us to do it successfully with multiple brands at scale as a startup company, now a growth stage company. Um, Without the technology, without the data, without the workflow enhancements, without the approach to design, without the common sales and marketing solutions across the portfolio, 
we would be a single brand and we wouldn't be able to achieve the same kind of scale that we have. Um, I'd also argue, particularly as a content company, I think, you know, as you see a lot of um, criticism these days of media brands that have maybe expanded too rapidly. And I, you know, the the whole kind of scale versus being niche. Exactly. And I I understand and appreciate that discussion. And in fact, go to Medium on any given day and you'll see a different blog post by a different disgruntled someone or another who's complaining about this issue. And and I get it. but you guys have always kind of been, from the start, sort of organized around, I don't want to say niches, but, no, no, you know, I, broad, I actually, you know, the opposite of these broad consumer categories, whether it's sports, the same categories that um, the magazines or the cable networks were built off. Sports, news, home, food, in our case, technology, because that's a big category in digital. Um, so, yes, we've chosen those big topical passion category, areas of consumer passion, and we've built brands around them. Now, what that enables us to do is get out of that rat race of uh, start off with a politics site that now is in celebrity and sports, and or for that matter, start off with a technology site that's now in sports and celebrity, well, or I mean, start off with a women's to site. To be fair, didn't, now, didn't The Verge uh, really invest in covering breaking news and politics? And frankly, I haven't seen The Verge cover that sort of thing in a long time. I mean, there, there the, are pivots to be made, so to speak. The, the Verge has always covered the influence of technology on culture and society. So you wouldn't see The Verge covering politics for the sake of politics. You would see The Verge covering politics that are either influenced by or influence technology um, and the world around us. And so, you know, there there's an editorial lens through which these brands operate. In The Verge's case, it's the intersection of technology, culture, society, et cetera. Um, now, even with The Verge, we wanted to draw a sharp line around gadgets. And we know a lot of the people on The Verge love gadgets. And so you saw us create a, a sub-brand, a particularly social sub-brand in Circuit Breaker, which we announced last week, that's already off to a, a widely good start. And you know we want to get some focus around that. But it, that even underlines the point of the importance of brands in this world and how if you dilute your brand by trying to be all things to all people, you are going to be harmed in this world of so much media coming through so many feeds. Um, and the platform that we've built, this all comes back to the platform question, the platform that we've built enables the growth of multiple distinctive brands with multiple distinctive voices that appeal to audiences and advertisers in an authoritative way. I always often give an example. If we're out to um, a nice restaurant in New York and you turn to me and you say, thanks for bringing me here, Jim. Where did you hear about this restaurant? And I say, I heard about it on big news site slash New York slash restaurants. You say, okay, well, it's good food. And, or if I say to you, I heard about it on Eater. You know, the content might actually be the same that, about that restaurant. And we like ours better. We think our, our content is better. But even if it were the same, there's something about the brand signal that signals authority, signals authenticity. We talk about authenticity and authority being so critical in a world. For us, it, ha- it is critical to break through. And it's also critical from an advertising perspective. If you want to be associated with food lifestyle, 
a portal just isn't going to cut it for you or or even a general site that covers a thousand things and none none with any particular authority so we think uh, is, that is it's that critical. just from a, from an ad sales perspective you mean it's sort of easier to organize yourselves that way and to go out and pitch the marketers you know with the authority about XYZ. Well, it's certainly easier from an ad sales perspective, or better. I don't know if it's easier because you know, but it's better. Um, it, it's, but it's also better from a consumer perspective, which is why it's better from an advertiser perspective because um, consumers want to identify with brands that are authoritative and speak to them. Um, well, do they, or do they just want you know autoplay video of a recipe, you know, going through their their feed, the sort of BuzzFeed tasty model? I mean, th- there's an argument to be made that brands matter less and less as you're just constantly consuming th- things through your feed. I guess you guys don't subscribe to that we belief. Believe, we, no, we, we believe that s- subscribing to things through your feed is, is essential, but there's a, there's, a, there's a difference between something just kind of popping up there and, and you seeking out something and wanting to attach your identity to it because it speaks to the values that you have uh, and the things that you're interested in. And so... Yes, of course, um, there are going to be viral hits out there. And in fact, many of them are ours. And we're, you know, of course, we're happy to see them. But we're, we take a different approach where we don't chase views for the sake of views. We chase views that are relevant to our audience um, and relevant to our brand positioning. We do have that um, self-imposed discipline. Uh, and that's what distinguishes us from being a brand that stands for something that is relevant to our category and relevant to our audience versus just being a brand that stands for chasing views. Um, you know, you'll never see us operate in that way. And, and that's not to say we don't care about growth. Of course we do, but we care about growth within the context of building a brand. So you alluded to this earlier with the sort of disgruntled medium posts. Um, I mean, obviously there's a, a lot of opportunity in, in digital media, um, but you know, some would suggest there's also been a bit of a bubble forming over over the past five years or so, um, and you know maybe we're starting to see evidence of that deflating or popping with some recent layoffs and you know people missing revenue targets and some stuff like that. Uh, so I'm just curious what your take is on that. Let's brainstorm your future medium post here. What's your <laughs> media bubble hot take? I am I, I, medium. I haven't medium, seen one today. Medium, so maybe. Medium's great, but I'm 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 doing a post on Recode if I'm doing one. Um, the um, the um or the verge or um the um i i think you know what i'm in the media business and i recognize that um there are themes uh that work you know to get people's attention um the theme of everything's rosy works and then the theme of everything is doom and gloom works and I think you, we happen to have a week where there were some things like Al Jazeera laying off or closing down and a leaked BuzzFeed memo. And, and to me, that doesn't, that's not signal. That's, that's noise. Um, that's noise of, uh, you know, it, it's noise that a lot of people in the media business are eagerly like <laughs> looking to pounce on um, because it makes for, Good Schadenfreude, and it makes for um, so you're blaming us, Jim. It's <laughs> doom and gloom, <laughs> um, and you know it's not just you. I have people who who work for me too. Um, but it's um, uh, I, you know, and and it's important to look at those data points for sure. Um, but I don't see I don't see fundamentals changing. I don't see the fundamentals of audience behaviors changing. I don't see people 
using less digital media uh, and consuming fewer videos. Um, I don't see advertisers radically um, making a shift from other forms of media uh, into other forms of media from digital. Um, I don't see that at all. I see the contrary of that. Um, and so, yes, like companies will have good days and bad days. Some companies will go out of business as they go out of business in any industry. Um, and some companies will thrive. Um, and I don't see any changes in the fundamentals whatsoever. If you were starting a media business today, what would it look like? I mean, would it be, would you have a website? Would you, um, would it be completely distributed? Would it be advertising supported? Would it be subscriber supported if you could start now in, in this environment? You want, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So, you know, I, I, I think I, I would be in a whole lot of trouble if I weren't currently working on the kind of media company that I, that I would start today. Um, and I think we're certainly doing that at Vox Media. Um, um, I would still have websites, but I would lean into uh, partnerships and platforms um, as much as possible, which is what, what we're doing. I would, opera, I would operationalize myself about uh, – to. You know, I have kids who are in various little leagues to use the sports analogy, and they, you know, they do baseball and they do tennis, and you know, you always hear that that phrase, "Be in your ready position, be in an athletic position," and and what it means is like be on the on the balls of your feet, ready to go backward, forward, side to side, depending on where the ball goes. Um, and so that will be the sports analogy that I use. I think you have to be prepared to react with alacrity uh, in order to be a successful media company and. That's how we're building ourselves. But, you know, it's, it's a good question in, in the sense that there are companies um, that for structural, cultural, financial reasons are unable to become what they see happening in the future. And, and, and they're for good reasons. Um, gone are the days where anyone at a newspaper, magazine, television company doesn't understand what's happening. In fact... Some might understand it better or as well as the pure play companies. But the difference is that uh, we are not encumbered by uh, other important concerns, like concerns about, you know, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars of cash flow. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing well and we're, we're a profitable company, but we're not seeking to protect anything. Um, we're seeking to grow into new areas, and that's going to be helpful. So uh, how, does, how does that relate to, to revenue? Um, Obviously, you know, sort of with the growth of ad blocking and um, some of that stuff. I mean, I'm just kind of curious. I mean, in the next five years, I mean, how do you see Fox Media's sort of revenue mix changing or evolving? I mean, I know you do events and conferences and... You can't block an event. Can't, can't block, block an well, event. Well, maybe you can, but... Protesters, maybe? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> People we'll, try. We'll see what happens in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, the, it's um, not that kind of podcast. <laughs> um, the... Uh, you touch on a good point. The, I, I actually don't, you know, most of our money is made from what I broadly call the advertising ecosystem, but it's actually not made from how people traditionally think about digital advertising, which is selling banners. You know, that's not how we're currently making money. I don't think that's how we're going to make money in the future either. The, at the highest level, we make money by leveraging our brand equity and you know to de-buzzword that what i mean is um marketers come to us and they say we want to associate ourselves with technology lifestyle 
and you're, no one does it better than the Verge brand. Help our product and our customers are being changed by technology every day, and we need to associate ourselves with the audiences and with the attributes of people like The Verge and The Verge. Help us do that. That open-ended. <laughs> um, and so, how do we? So what does that look like? So how do we help them do that? Well, on the simplest level, it's a media campaign to engage people on The Verge in different ways to engage them on the website and across the social platforms where The Verge operates. That's phase one. Phase two is go find me people who may not be on The Verge but look like the people on The Verge across social platforms, across the web, and now through our NBC relationship across television platforms as well um, and extend the reach of that. Another part of it is help us tell a story. Your content creators, Vox, you've solved a lot of these problems of how do I tell stories across the new platform? All the things we've talked about in this podcast, we've spent years working on and, and years advancing. If you're a marketer in this world and your customers have made this shift, you haven't spent years thinking about it. So help them think about how to tell stories that engage and influence audiences who and do so in a way that is authentic to a food lifestyle with Eat or a technology lifestyle with The Verge, or if you're more of a C-suite audience with Recode. A next step beyond that is, okay, we realize there's more to life than digital, so help us activate across real life also. And that could be, you know, with, with respect to everything that, that, the, that the Wall Street Journal does, it could be with the, the greatest uh, technology conference in the world at, at Code Media. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> We can edit that. Yeah. <laughs> and with that. Uh... <laughs> or it could be um, with an event that Eater puts on with top-tier chefs or um, or an event that Curb does around the um, the modern home and how that's changing. So, you know, help us augment the things that we're doing online with real life. But it's all around taking the brand equity and then, secondly, the capabilities that we've developed at Vox Media and – creating solutions there. Now, that can extend even beyond advertising things to monetizing our intellectual property, i.e. creating new types of products that could be sold to other distributors. So, you know, can you know whether that's programming to Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, cable networks, um, other distributors uh, as well. There, that's Those are opportunities as well. And you know, so there's a lot of. Is that the type of thing that are you having those types of discussions currently with? We are. We have a union of our company called uh, Vox Entertainment, um, led by uh, Marty Mo and, and Chad Mum um, in our team, and you know they are they they've been working very closely with all sorts of distributors, including our partners in NBC, to um, to do just that. And you know there'll be more news about that coming to your. Wall Street Journal soon. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> All right. Well, with with that, we're going to have to end it. I think there's plenty there for your Medium post or your Vox post coming up uh, about the future of the media business. Uh, thank you so much to our guest, Jim Bankoff. Uh, that wraps things up for us. For the Media Mix podcast, the first ever, please join us next time for a look at the people and issues that matter in the fast-changing world of media. For more, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. It's wsj.com slash podcast from New York. I'm Stephen Perlberg with Jack Marshall on behalf of the Media Mix team. Thank you for listening. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.